morning, everybody. Good morning. Amen. It's good to be back in the house of God. Good to see everybody this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. And I hope we're here to get down to business. Yeah. <coughs> Worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. As we're in his house. Amen. I want the Lord to bless us. to bless us today exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. We'll go ahead and we'll get started. And, uh, uh, I'd like to ask Brother uh, Edwards if he would lead us in prayer today. And Mrs. Uh, Sigmunds, come on up. Praise the Lord. I know I say this all the time. When you watch what's going on in this world, I'm so glad we serve a God that doesn't change. Yeah. Wow. Man, thought about that. You stand on the rock, no matter what you go through, and hang on to the rock. Make it through. And uh, boy, if you got any burdens, any problems, just give it to God. And just focus on Him. Let's just worship and praise him, invite him into this place, and watch what he can do for us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for waking us up today, Lord. We thank you for the breath that you put in our lungs, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you put a praise on our lips, Lord. Lord, help us to worship you in spirit and truth this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, that we would cast all of our cares before you, Lord. Lord, that we would not worry about the things going on around us, Lord, but we would just focus all of our heart, our mind, our strength, attention on you, Lord. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you pour your spirit out of this place, Lord, in a mighty way, Lord. Jesus, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you bind us together, Lord. Lord, that we would be of one mind and one accord in this place, Lord. That it would be our desire, Lord, to touch you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, that we would be blessed by your presence in this place, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would anoint the man of God this morning, Lord. That you would speak through him, Lord. Lord, that we would hear your voice, Lord. Lord, I pray for the Sunday school, Lord. I pray for the students and the teachers, Lord. I pray, Lord, you be lifted up, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for the musicians, Lord, the singers. Lord, I pray, Lord, that our mind will be set on you, Lord Jesus. Lord, you're worthy, Lord, to be worshipped, Lord. Honored and praised, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us right now, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord. Just put this presence with the spirit. Yeah. 
tea the other lady, but it was just one of those moments where it was just like, and I know that was God. And Amen. That's right. I'm so thankful. Hallelujah. Those little things, they're not little, but we think they are. You know, yep. Our little brains, they can't, man. Jesus All the time. Hallelujah. Things, things we don't even know. I've seen that coming. I've, I've been in an accident like that when I overcorrected. I knew when I, you know what, there's, he should have rolled right into us, but he didn't. It was like as if somebody just went like this with this, you know, it looked like a toy car or somebody just moved it out of the way.
Thus saith the Almighty, yea, my presence, saith the Lord, is with you. Yea, I bear witness, saith the Lord, to my strength. Yea, I bear witness, saith the Lord, to my power. Yea, I'm with thee, saith the Lord. Look unto me. Yea, look unto me. See that I am with thee, saith the Lord. For my spirit beareth witness, my spirit beareth witness, saith the Lord. And thou shalt know that I am, that I am the Most High, saith the Lord. Thou shalt see my glory, saith the Lord. Yea, thou shalt see my glory in thy midst, saith the Lord. Only believe, saith the Lord. And thou shalt see, saith the Lord, that I am with thee. Yea, that I am with thee.
awesome God, mighty God, the Almighty. Obviously, we are feeling His presence in, a, in an awesome way this morning, powerful way. God's bearing witness. He's bearing witness to His presence. He's bearing witness to you. And then our, our faith. Thank you, Jesus. I remember when the Lord spoke in uh, the Old Testament. He spoke to the prophet Isaiah and told him, He said, Don't be fearful and don't be dismayed. And that's the way it is. And we tend to let that slip away from our minds and our hearts are sometimes weak as far as our faith is concerned we don't we tend to be fearful and unbelieving but you know we, we need to understand that when we come into this place and we feel this presence and also bear witness to his presence and Praise God. The possibilities of what He's capable of. Praise God. I just, um, Amen. Just, we cannot comprehend. We cannot comprehend. Praise God. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Is there going to be Sunday school this morning? Okay, full classes? Okay. All right, just want to make sure. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So all of those of you that are need to go into the other classrooms, you can be dismissed at this time <coughs> to your respective classes. song everybody ought to know everybody ought to know who Jesus is yeah. Amen. I was thinking about that and as we were <clears throat> worshiping the Lord and as we were singing that you know that's what it comes down to is that understanding knowing who God is. Yeah. 
there's a lot of people out there in this world that are some that are really searching and trying to find out who God is, trying to find God. And maybe even those who don't even know there is a God or not. But obviously, it's an understanding that we are brought to when we open up his word and of course the gospel we hear the gospel the good news it's all part of that message and knowing who Jesus is and uh, that's a powerful uh, revelation a powerful understanding because that obviously when you come to that uh, <clears throat> insight closes the gap between you and God make it personal and uh, has all to do with of course you know relationship knowing him relationship I think that's why uh, a lot of people struggle in their life that's why some people are in the place that they are in their life in their mind, in their spirit, in their environment. That's the, the reason why they are the way they are and why they go through life with all the struggles, all the, uh, the battles and the temptation and the trials. They just can't seem to somehow comprehend and understand. You know, if they had God in their life, Every single one of us are given the opportunity to know him. To know him. We're all given that opportunity. It doesn't make a difference your age. You don't have to be an elder. You don't have to be an, uh, an older person to understand and to know God. To know God. You can be a young child. You can be a young child and you can know God. And, and to be acquainted with him, to know what it is to share that relationship, to feel his love. If you really experience the love of God in your life, you would definitely uh, understand. Everything that you're going through, everything that you're experiencing, even in the hardships, the adversity, you would know because of your love for him. Of course, the Bible says, perfect love casts uh, cast out fear. So if you have that love, if you know, if you know him and you understand him and, and you love him, and of course, it's all based upon your relationship. It's like knowing anybody, anybody. You know, that's the reason why you go searching. Because you want to, you're trying to find something. You're trying to find somebody. You're trying to find Hopefully happiness, Amen. hopefully peace, joy, amen. You can find that. And a lot of people always go searching in the wrong places, searching for the wrong thing. And some people are high on thrills, things like that. Some things that aren't even, uh, have no depth to them things that just make you feel good for a little while, then after the feel good is gone, 
you're right back in that same old place you were looking for it all over again but you're always looking in, in the wrong places you're always <clears throat> amen putting yourself in a place where amen you're you always come short uh, I have an expression that I use and you know uh, I have I have a purpose in life what about you I have a purpose in life uh, it it how can I say this? It, it grieves me when certain things don't happen when they, you know, when I expect them to happen. It grieves me. I, here's an expression I use: I hate making dry runs. I want things to be fulfilled in my life. I want to experience experience life, and I want to experience God every day of my life. Every day of my life, I'm aware of him. How about you? Amen. I'm aware of him. I acknowledge him. And I walk in his presence. Amen. I choose to walk in his presence. Amen. I'm not content. I'm not satisfied with any other presence in my life other than his. Yes. And that's just the way I feel. And that's just. But it's all based upon relationship. It's all based upon our love for him. Of course, the great commandment, the Shema of Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He is one Lord. And thou shalt, amen, worship the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy soul. You should worship him with all, with all, with all. Not, not with just a part of. That's right not half-hearted huh? but with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength worship him and you can worship him it's important for you to worship him in that manner so when you when you develop that relationship with him when you develop that relationship with him guess what happens you come to a understanding you come to a uh, revelation to where once you know and just like what we felt and what we experienced in here what we're feeling right now what we're experiencing the awesome presence of God and so that's really something that's beautiful and uh, I never knew I never knew in, in my young age I was raised I was raised up we went to church every Sunday we attended the house of God. We did those things. That was required of us, of course, my parents. They led us that way, that direction. I never knew this though, all the times I was there. Of course, where we were, did not have the liberty of the spirit, of God's spirit. And obviously didn't have the presence of God there. You know, they didn't really have all the truth. They had part of it, but not all of it. They were missing the other part of it. You know what the other part of the truth was they were missing? His presence. Yes. And, um, but I never knew this. I never knew that God had a name. That you could call him by his name. That you can reach out to him and call his name. So that's something that I, I never knew. But I came to that understanding. I'm, I'm glad I came to that understanding. How about you? Uh, and to understand that God does have a name. He does have a person. Amen. 
once you get acquainted with him and, and his person, and it's all built upon relationship with him, everything else is going to basically fall into its place. Your, your experience and your relationship with God is going to bring you to an understanding. You're going to know. Yeah. Without a doubt, you're going to know. So Paul was talking about that great is the mystery of God. Great. Without controversy, great is the mystery. Great is that mystery. Here's the thing. But we can come to that understanding. We can come to that realization of God. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, if you would. And uh, this morning, and, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start there. We'll continue where we left off last week, but this is where we'll start today. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. The Son of God has come and given us an understanding that we may know Him, that is true, and we are in Him, that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Hmm. What a statement. Did I give you the scripture? Okay, first... First John chapter 5, verse 20, 21, it says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. <laughs> it's kind of amazing why the Apostle John would insert that at the end of what he said. <laughs> we know that the Son of God is coming to give us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true even in his son Jesus Christ look what he says this is the true God and eternal life little children keep yourselves from idols it's amazing how many of you have, have read the Old Testament how many of you have read the New Testament and, and obviously we have the Old Testament for a reason. Yeah. We have the New Testament for a reason. Right. Of course, the Old Testament is the Old Covenant. Right. The New Testament is the New Covenant. That's just kind of how it's put there simply. It's just simple, yet profound. But you realize this, when you study the Old Testament, it talks about God. Obviously, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He's mentioned there. He's mentioned, and of course, he speaks of himself. There's a lot of uh, uh, passages of Scripture that uh, when we look at it and, and, and we see we're, we're given uh, uh, understanding concerning God, concerning his, his person. What, what, did I, what did I say last week about God? Jesus was talking to the woman at the Samaritan well and he was talking to her, you know, obviously uh, bringing understanding to her about worship and worshiping the true God. One thing that he said about worship and about coming to the true God, he said, one thing that he wanted her to understand that God is a spirit. God is a spirit. In the Old Testament, you see that. You see all the interactions that God had with man. You never really, you never really seen a individual or a person per se. 
When I say that, I'm talking about a human being. God's interaction with, in, in the Old Testament with, uh, with his people, with mankind, was always done through what you know, a lot of theologians like to refer to as a theophany. A theophany is a spiritual being. It's an angelic being. But every time God would reveal himself or deal with man, contact man, he always did it through a theophany, a spiritual being. But yet the image of that being was such that they could somehow relate to it. They could relate to it. They understood it. I mean, that would be shocking if you heard dialogue or heard somebody speak to you and you looked at whatever it was, the image, and it was something that you couldn't recognize, something that you couldn't feel comfortable with. It would make you feel out of place, wouldn't it? Of course, God's presence makes humanity feel out of place, doesn't it? Why? Because of his holiness, because he's sinless. So obviously, his presence is, is something that is powerful, it's awesome. Don't forget that. Remember, God is a spirit. So we see that the, the, the God of the Old Testament I want you to understand this is also the God of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. In the Old Testament, he was invisible. We know that, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Amen. They seen him. They seen evidence of him as he proved himself to them that he was with them. Okay? And you might ask, well, how was that done? Well, obviously, when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, guess what he did? He, in the daytime, he appeared to them as a pillar of a cloud. In the evening, it was a pillar of fire. Amen. Yep. But God always bore witness to his presence with his people. That's what they seen. So obviously, they knew there was something behind all these manifestations. There was a presence they could not see, but they could see the evidence of that presence. Obviously, it was a presence that was a powerful presence. Amen. So obviously, he was invisible in the Old Testament. But here's the thing. In the New Testament, he becomes visible. Yeah. becomes visible through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. So you can come to that place of understanding about God. You can you can identify who God is. Okay? So in the Old Testament the Lord revealed himself in spirit form as a theophany. Amen. So we see that. Turn with me to Isaiah 44. Uh, verse number 6. We'll start with Isaiah 44. Verse number 6. Amen. And just go back to some Old Testament scriptures and I want you to just uh Follow along with me as I as I read this. But Isaiah 44, verse number six, and this is this is what it says. It says, "Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, 
from Lord of Hosts. I am the first and I am the last. I am the first and I am the last and beside me there is no God. So now we are coming to a statement spoken by the Lord and he says that he is the first and he is the last and beside me there is no God and who as I shall call and shall declare it and set it in order for me since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. So we see that he's making a statement here, but he's also letting us know in the statement that obviously he's, he's speaking to uh, Israel about who created them, who formed them. He is their creator, he is their maker, he is their God. But he makes that, uh, he asserts here in these passages he said, I'm the first, I'm the last, and beside me there is no God. There is no God. So let's go into Isaiah 42, 8, and look what he says there. He says in verse number 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. And so what he's saying here is that uh, he is the Lord that is that's his name my glory will I not give to another so he's uh, asserting several things in these passages he's asserting that he is the only God he's the first and the last and beside him there is no other God and he's asserting here he said I am the Lord that is my name and my glory will not I, will I not give to another neither my praise to graven edges so in other words he will not share his glory with another another what another God he will not do that. So, in in in, in, in if you go over there, uh, in in the same book in uh, chapter forty-five and verse number five, he said, "I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me, and I girded thee, though thou thou hast not known me." Wow. He's asserting himself. He's speaking about his own person. He said, I'm the Lord, there's none else. There's no God beside me. I am the only God. In other words, what he's telling Israel, I am the only God. There's no other God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Thou hast not known me. A lot of understanding that people have of Jesus Christ. I want you to, to listen to me. Uh, I shared that with you just a little bit last week. Uh, obviously, obviously I should not even be standing here. 
I'm not an Israelite. I'm a Native American. And I'm, uh, they refer to us as Sioux, but that's not who we really are. That's what the French called us. <laughs> We're Lakota. So I have no right to be here, I guess, because I'm a Gentile. I'm not a Israelite by blood. I'm a Gentile, so I have no right to be here. So obviously, uh, for whatever reason, the Lord says, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to reach into your life, and uh, I want to save you. I'm glad He did. But there, I, I, and the reason why I'm saying this, I'm, and, and just give me some, give me your your ear this morning Amen. is what Paul was affirming there in 1 Timothy 3.16 great and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness godliness definitely is a mystery God was manifested in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto them to leave on in the world and see up into glory here's one thing that I, I didn't understand and as I said earlier I did not know the truth I did not know God the way I know him today I did not have that understanding. My people called him. My people called him. They didn't know anything. They didn't know a lot about God. Their understanding of God was, it was just, you know, uh, did not know anything about him. They knew that God created the world. They knew that he created the world that we live in, he was responsible for creation. They knew that. Uh, the Lakota word for creator is maga. Maga. Magaga. He created. So they knew that he created the world. They knew that we were created beings. Of course, even in our philosophy, the Lakota philosophy, they, they vary as far as where we came from. They have a lot of what's supposed to be called buffalo people. We come from the buffalo, we come from the wind caves, we come from the stars. But that's all, uh, how would I say, philosophy. That's all legend, that's all superstition. Yeah. And uh, of course, man likes to worship God how he feels like he likes to worship God. And that's, uh, I'm saying that because that's the way my people were. They worshiped him the way they felt they needed to worship him. But when they talked about him, they said, Wakan Tanka, Wakan Tanka. And which means great mystery. And so when I asked a medicine man, why do you refer to him as, as the great mystery? I've heard several definitions, but I said, what is the first and foremost, what is the definition, the true definition of Wakan Tanka? He said, he is the great mystery. We call him the great mystery. I said, okay, that's what I understand. I'm, I must have heard it right. I said, so why did they call him the great mystery? You know what the answer was? Because there's a lot we don't know about him. That's an honest answer, isn't it? There's a lot we don't know about him. So obviously, uh, when you think about that, 
there is a lot that a lot of people don't know about God. That's right. And and, and so we, we read in the passage here in, in Isaiah where, where he talked about when he formed, when he formed in uh, the Lord, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. How many of you have been, ever been in that place where you never really understood or knew, knew who God was? Huh? I'm sorry for you to be confessed. I never knew who God was. I had an idea. I had an inclination. I had an opinion. I had an understanding. But obviously, it was all based upon tradition, philosophy, man's opinion, man's understanding wasn't based upon truth. And uh, so anyway, you see here, uh, you see here, uh, go with me to Isaiah, go back to Isaiah 45 and, and verse number 18. Look what he says here in verse number 18. It says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to, to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. So every time I read that scripture, I say to myself, okay, it's settled, Lord. I understand. I believe what you're telling me right now. It's settled in my mind. You're the one that created all this. You're the one that formed all it. I understand who created this world and everything that is in them is. So we understand that. But look what he's declaring here, what he's speaking. He's speaking that he is the one responsible for all this. He's the one that created all this. He is the only creator. He is the only God. He is making a claim. He is the only one. Well, the scripture verse we started out with was uh, that the Son of God has come and given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So in order to understand what the Apostle John is saying there, we have to make that connection, don't we? We have to make that connection. We have to somehow, uh, what, what's the word I'm, I'm thinking of? We have to, there has to be another word that's going to bear witness to what John is saying here when he's saying that this is the true God and eternal life because who is he talking about? Jesus Christ. So, so remember what I said. In the Old Testament, God was manifested in through theophanies, spiritual images, spiritual and angelic images. So he was visible. He's a spirit. You can't see a spirit. That's what Jesus said. A spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. So you can't see a spirit. So that was the only way that they knew that God was there was they seen his manifestation. They seen him there in that pillar of the cloud. Okay? That was the only thing they seen, but they knew he was there. 
So in the New Testament, here comes the New Testament now. And here's God. And he's not a different God. The New Testament God is the same God that was in the Old Testament. Praise God. But now we have a better understanding when we come to the knowledge of the truth we have a better understanding go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1 and remember what we just finished reading about God how he claimed he was one that created everything everything was created by him even us we were, we were created by him praise God so Colossians chapter 1 verse number 15 Look what it says. <clears throat> Let's back up just a little bit. Uh, verse number 12. Uh, in Colossians chapter 1. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Amen. Who is, now, who is the image of the invisible God? Amen. The firstborn of every creature. Now look what he says. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, <clears throat> visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. So here, the Apostle Paul is making, amen, that statement that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. For by him all things, were, were all things created. Brother Dan, Brother Dan uh, shared something with us last Sunday in service. Beautiful, wasn't it? <laughs> Who wrote uh, the book of Genesis? Moses. Obviously, Je uh, Moses was was uh, the one that wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers and Deuteronomy. He's credited with writing the first five books of the Bible. So when we're talking about uh, God, when the Lord brought Moses up to Mount Sinai, and there he was speaking to him, and the Lord says, uh, Moses said, Lord, I, I, I want to see your glory. I want to see you. So what did God say to him? The Lord said unto Moses, he said, I will pass by, and I will show you my glory, I will reveal to you my name, but you know what he told Moses? 
if it stands out in the cleft of the rock and as I pass by you, I'm gonna put my hand over you. So the only thing that you're gonna see of me is my backside. That's the only part of me you get to see. So what, it, what, what the Lord did that. And so he revealed to Moses, obviously, he revealed to him everything about him, his name, and then he walked by him. And obviously Moses seeing his backside. <laughs> now here's the thing. This is this is beautiful. Because he when he seen who he was, he got a glimpse. He got a glimpse of, of God. The God of the Old Testament. He got a glimpse of him. This is a God that we're following around. Al Ohim. This is him. And uh, he got a glimpse of him, and something obviously came to his mind, and, and you understood that. Because when he when he seen that, obviously uh, something must have uh, quickened Moses' mind, and he received some kind of unction because after he seen the Lord, and he talked about creation. I wonder when Moses wrote the book of Genesis. I wonder when he wrote uh, Exodus and Leviticus and numbers and Deuteronomy. It doesn't say it. It really doesn't. There's no date put on those books, but we understand Moses is the author of those books. So obviously when Moses wrote about creation, and he wrote about the creation of man, he understood something. God created man in his likeness. After his image, he created him a living soul or a living being. So obviously when he's seeing the Lord on Mount Sinai, something must have quickened his mind like So he made that connection. So that's why the Apostle Paul, obviously here speaking, when he's speaking about the Lord, he says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now here's the thing they assert about him. Here's the thing they assert about Jesus here. It says, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, power, so on and so on. All things were created by him and for him. So they assert this. They assert that he created all things. And he was before all things. Making the same claim that the God of the Old Testament was making. Now you have to understand something here. The, the New Testament was not written at this time. So obviously what they're speaking about, what their understanding is coming from, what Paul is talking about here is everything that he is gleaning from the Old Testament. But yet, he came to that understanding. Okay? So we see that. And uh, go with me to Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1. And here we, here, we are, we, here we have some more scripture. Of course, this is the Apostle Paul speaking again in this passage of scripture and Romans chapter 1 verses 19 well we'll read verse number 20 and look what it says here it says this in verse number 20 for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen 
Wow. Being understood by the things that are made. Here we go. Making that connection. Talking about God. So when they talk about God, they know there's, you know, they're speaking about him, but they're, they always make that connection with creation. He's the one responsible for everything here. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. My, my. So we see that what he's speaking here, uh, let's just, let's just, Back up just one more verse. Because that which may be known, in verse number 19, known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now look what he says. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them unto the uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies, so on and so on and so on. But I, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So here we see, here we see this. He's talking about, of course, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly, are clearly seen. My. So we understand how God has come and he has obviously made himself known. We've established that. We've established that. It's not really difficult. It's not really difficult. Because we can come to that understanding. We can come to that uh, revelation. If we, if we look to him, if we turn to him with all our hearts, it's got to happen. Jesus came to do that. He came into the world to do that. And that's what he did. And he's come to give us an understanding. Go over to Matthew chapter 11. And Matthew chapter 11. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 11. And look what he's saying here in Matthew chapter 11. <clears throat> Verse number 25 we'll start with. And it says, and at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise 
improvement has to be among the babes, even so, Father, for so it seemeth good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So we, we come to this understanding here. here. Here's the understanding of, you know, of course, in the New Testament, we, we understand this. Jesus came into the world. Of course, there's, there's obvious, it's obvious that when he came into the world, his coming was of major importance. Because why would the angel, or why would the Lord send the angel to Joseph and Mary and tell them that, you know, your wife is going to have a child, she's going to have a son, and thou shalt call his name, here's, 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 the, here's the thing, Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why Jesus? Of course, we understood last week. Guess what we understood? Guess what we we, we seen in the scripture? The name of Jesus was a name that was kept revealed until the proper time that it was to be revealed. Why askest thus after my name, seeing it is revealed, I mean, hidden. So, so here's the thing. So when, when the angel made that announcement to Mary and to Joseph, thou shalt call his name Jesus. That's an important name for all of us to understand. Why the name Jesus? Of course, we're talking about the English translation of the word Yeshua. The Hebrew, uh, of course, they pronounce it. I, I butchered the Hebrew quite a, pretty good. So, But Joshua or Jehovah, Yeshua. And, and all that means is this. God has become my salvation. He's become my salvation. God is my savior. So he's become my salvation. So we assert that when he said, thou shalt call his name Jesus. In essence, of course, when Isaiah spoke about it in, in Isaiah 7, he said uh, that there was going to be a sign and a virgin was going to bring forth a child, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. So Emmanuel being interpreted, as the scripture says in the book of Matthew, being interpreted is God with us. So that little, that little baby that was born, that was born into this world. He became a human being. When the fullness of time was come, Paul said, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. So hence, we come up with the term the scripture talks about, the only begotten of the father. Why begotten? Because he was born into this world. He became a human being, just like you and I. that little baby here's the amazing thing remember the Lord 
asserted that he's the one that created heaven and earth and all that in them is? That's what he said, didn't he? That's what the apostles affirmed. That's what they said. That's what they spoke. They had the understanding. They knew right well all about Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. So he makes that claim. So the creator, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of mankind, our maker, the creator, became the creation. So when he became the creation, what are we talking about? We're talking about that little human body. Well, when he was born, he was little, but he grew up to be a man, a young man. So we see that. So the whole reason behind all this, of course, when we look at the scripture and, and we look what the scripture says, and, and here's Jesus, He's, he's making that statement. He said, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So we have the statement where Jesus said, no man knows the Father but the Son. No man knows the Son but the Father. So to understand who the Father is, you have to listen to the Son. Amen. And to understand who the Son is, you have to listen to the Father. In other words, basically this is what he's saying. You can't understand who God is unless until you listen to the Son. The human side is going to reveal the divine side. And the divine side is going to reveal the human side. That's what basically he's saying. So Jesus came to give us that understanding that, and that's what John said. He came to point us to the Father. And the Father said, hey, pay attention to my son. Huh? Because they will reveal, the Father came to reveal the son, the son came to reveal the Father. So, so we see that we understand that. So here, here's something that's even go, we can go even further. We can go even further with this uh, in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 1. If you go there, Hebrews chapter 1, and you go there right around verse number 3 there in the book of Hebrews, you see there uh, the writer of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says this, um, Verse number, we'll start with verse number one. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the Father by the prophets. Unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So here we have, here we have that claim, even by the writer of Hebrews. Why is it they always come to this statement. Obviously, they must have had an understanding. You see, then he says, who bringing the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than the angels as he had by inheritance 
obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels saith he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. So who being, who being the brightness of his glory, the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, the express image of his person. Who is he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus, but who's, who's, who's he speaking about here? God. God. Yeah. <clears throat> He's speaking about God. And Jesus, Jesus being the brightness of his glory. Whose glory? God's glory. The express image of his person. And open, open all things by the word of his power. So, so we understand this. So he's speaking about, amen, God. So Jesus obviously is the express image of God. He is the brightness of his glory. My, 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 my. My dad did me a really good favor a long time ago, and it was after I was ordained. And uh, of course, he was one that he really paid attention to scripture. And he would critique me at times. He'd always correct me when I, you know, we were alone or something like that. Son, you need to be careful how you say certain things. And you tell me where I make mistakes. Oh, okay, Dad. I'll do, I'll do my best. But he was always there. He'd always catch those little moments when I would, wouldn't quite say it just right. And so he would follow. And, and you know, I'm glad he was there because he kind of kept me on my toes. And, but he blessed me one time. He gave me this book. And, uh, nice book, big old hardback, hard, hardcover book. The title of it was this, The Religions of Man. And it was a good, thick book, I mean. So I, okay. And of course, I read it. I, I, I actually read it. I went through it. Talked about all the gods that are in this world. All the different face all the different beliefs, all the different opinions of man about God and about other gods. And, and one thing that the author did say, mentioned that something that caught my attention was this. He said, in the heart of man is a desire to worship God. We're designed that way. Why? Because God created us. We're his created being. So as far as that is concerned, the way that we have been created, the way that we have been put together, our being, of course, you know, we're a triplex being. We have a spirit, 
We have a soul and we have a body. But yet in the deepest part of our being, there's that desire to want to, as the writer said, make contact with God. Make that contact with Him. But mankind was kind of in a precarious situation because of our human parents, we lost contact with God. We were separated because of their disobedience, because of their sin. Sin brought separation from God. So obviously you read the story in Genesis, they were evicted from the Garden of Eden. And so they could not have that fellowship, that companionship with God on a daily basis that they had. So obviously as time went on, guess what happened? Because of the absence of that influence and of that life, they obviously lost track. But there was still that need to want to worship God. There was still that need to want to reach out to God and worship Him. But yet they could not really, they did not understand who is God? Where did we come from? So as a result, this writer says in history, you know what they had to, you know what they resorted to? He said they resorted to designing or, or putting into existence a God that they wanted to worship. So obviously what they wanted to do, they wanted to make connection with that God, so they needed something that was tangible, something they could touch, some, something they can see, so they can worship that God. And so that's what they did. And that's where they came up with all these different images and different likenesses. And to them, that made them content. This is our God. I'm content to know that this is our God. And so they, amen, just basically in their mind said, okay, this is who our God is. So we're going to worship our God. But the problem with that, the writer said, was this. Their God came from their own imagination. And put them off on a shelf. But guess what? That doesn't mean that he's not God anymore. He's still God. Regardless. And so, so we, we come to that, he, he said, we come to that place where, obviously, when mankind just populated the earth and they went all over the, 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 the known world he said obviously that need to want to worship God they, they, they went deep into the imagination of their minds and they created the gods that they wanted to worship hallelujah you know that's you know what that's true did you know that's true because obviously down through the ages you know people have uh people have come to that understanding and and you know they they haven't really uh, seen that you know the need to, to worship God but uh, as far as truth is concerned so here comes Jesus here comes Jesus and he's saying that uh, the hours come that neither he's talking to the Samaritan woman as we said last week that neither in this mountain will you worship God neither at Jerusalem he said because we got, we, we're going to worship God in spirit and truth and so what does the Lord do? The Lord comes and he reveals himself. Now, I need, I need to hurry. I have a few minutes. So 
when it comes to knowing who God is, of course, we understand that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. The God, when he was in the Old Testament, of course, he was an invisible God. But now in the New Testament, he's a visible God. And so we see the interaction between the Lord and his people. Obviously, the Bible says that he was in the world and uh, the world was made by him and the world knew him not. And then you come to what John was saying there uh, in, in John chapter 1, and I'll read it to you. If you want to go there, you can, but I'll read it to you real quick like I have a few moments here. But he said this, he said this in John chapter 1. He said, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word, the word was made flesh. God, who is a spirit, became a human being. Thus, when the Isaiah was talking about Emmanuel, God with us, deity became humanity. The word became flesh. The logos, the thought, the plan became flesh because that's what he, amen, spoke. And so in, in their, in their uh, relationship with Jesus, Jesus uh, speaking to his disciples and, and this is what he's saying to uh, 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 Philip in, in John 14, in John 14, this is what he said to Philip in verse number 8. And Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. It will be sufficient. We'll be satisfied. Jesus saith unto him, Have I not, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me? Philip, he that seeth me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Amen. So we see that. We see this, what he's saying here. Okay? So, last but not least, John chapter 17, verse number 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. And thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. This is life eternal. That they may know thee, the only God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, you read that there, and I don't know how many of you are Greek scholars, but when you 
in the Greek, the use of the word, the Greek word is kai, K-A-I. You can research this yourself. You can find this to be true. But kai is used intermittently with the word and. And of course, how you use it is how the statement is. And of course, sometimes in the Greek uh, application of the word where they would use the word and 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 even, uh, even in the salutations of Paul, there's been slight error there, but it's no harm. Hasn't harmed the scripture whatsoever. But this is this is the, the Greek word kai, and of course, uh, uh, Robert uh, Brent Graves, who is a Greek and Hebrew scholar, says this: the usage of the word kai in this passage really should have been translated even. even. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, even Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Mm. So we see that. Well, something of importance. So what he was trying to do, what he was, what he came to do was he came to reveal himself and he did in the person of Jesus Christ. Deity became humanity. So that's why the Lord could do all those things that he did because of the spirit that was in him. But he was yet a human being. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he was without sin. Praise God. He knew what it was like to be a human being. We'll stop there for today. Amen. Time just kind of slipped away. Thank you for coming. Um, prayer tonight at 6 o'clock. Service starts at 6.30. And uh, thank you for all coming. Greet one another. Be our guests.